Welcome to the Basilica of Santa Prasede in the neighborhood of Esquilino. You should be standing outside of a wooden doorway and it should be open. If you haven't found it yet, take a deep breath, then pause the tour and get to that spot. Before we start, we must discuss the timing of this experience. Ideally, it's now either Monday through Saturday between 8 and 11 in the morning or 4 to 4.30 in the afternoon. On Sunday between 11 and 12 in the morning or 4 to 4.30 in the afternoon. And I'm happy to go on this journey with you at any time. But outside of those times, you may find the door to our very last encounter closed. However, if you are here outside those ideal hours, don't worry. You can always arrange to come back and visit that last spot another time. And just so you know, this last spot has an entrance fee of 10 euros. But what you will find inside is beyond monetary value. And I will give you the option to stand outside this venue and have an alternative experience free of charge. Okay, let us begin. You are facing the entrance to the Basilica of Santa Prasede. Now, some guidebooks may claim that what makes this place so sacred is that it's where St. Paul was received when he came to Rome around 60 AD, preaching this new Middle Eastern religion called Christianity. And that is an important event, but for me, this place is sacred because of the knowledge it contains of a much older practice called alchemy. Now, most people think of alchemy as a medieval science that tried to create gold from common metals. And it is about creating gold. Traditionally, that's what the first alchemists were attempting to do. But it's also about something bigger. As I study it, and as my forefathers before me for 500 years studied it, alchemy is a way of transforming your soul into gold. It's a way of putting yourself through the same rigid, arduous process common metals go through as they are melded into gold. Metals are our vices that become virtues when you purify them. Today I want to give you a lesson in alchemy by walking through Esquilino, a neighborhood that's noted more for its proximity to the train station than for its spiritual foundations. This won't be a, a normal walk through historic sites full of names and dates, but through a series of doors. Well, let's go through one now. Come on, let's go inside. Walk through the double wooden door into the church. Go straight inside and feel free to wander around a bit, staying close to the central altar. You're welcome to take pictures in here if you like, but please do not use a flash inside the church. I'm Claudio Lanzi. I'm a seventh generation Roman and a 30th generation student of alchemy. Today, I'll be teaching you how to see Rome as a sacred text, how to read its symbols, and see why they call it the Eternal City. Not just because it's old, but because it's actually offering you eternity. As you wander through this church, I want you to notice four things. Earth, air, fire, and water. These are the four elements of Platonic metaphysics. In simple English, these elements are the basis of man, God, nature. They are fundamental to understanding the alchemical view of the world. Throughout this tour, 
we'll be encountering earth, air, fire and water in their various forms. Now go stand right in front of the central altar of the church. Here, you will see fire. Fire lives in the heart and in the candles that you see throughout this church, especially in the central altar. Now I want to show you where you find earth, air and water here. Are you standing in front of the altar? If not, go stand there now. Okay, great. Now put your back to the central altar. Walk down the central aisle away from the altar. Good. So now you're walking towards two large wooden doors in the back of the church and the altar is to your back. The door you are facing was actually the original entrance to the church. This is the door that priests and the faithful used to enter the church for centuries. And we're going to walk in their footsteps. Notice you're walking on top of a series of mosaic circles. Stop on the last circle before the wooden doors in the back of the church. It's the biggest one. It's purple. Wrapped around it are another four rings. When you're standing on top of that purple ring, stop. This is your starting place. Notice the Latin phrase around this circle. Conditorium reliquarium sanctorum martyrum inedibus sanctae praxidis. It means that right here in this circle, you are standing over a tomb of martyrs. As I told you before, this church was built exactly on the location where the first Christians in Rome would pray 2,000 years ago. But soon thereafter, the emperors of Rome, who oversaw religious practices, began persecuting these worshippers, torturing them, killing them for their beliefs. Saint Praxedes was part of this early Christian community, and before her own death in the hands of the state, she would soak up the blood of the dead martyrs into a sponge and then squeeze their blood into a pit right below your feet. Well, I understand that's a pretty gruesome image, but it's actually a good lesson in alchemy. Santa Praxedes was putting the blood back into the earth. She was practicing solve et coagula, meaning dissolve and bring back together. Common metals are melted and brought back together in a higher state. Saint Praxedes was metaphorically bringing life back to the martyrs by letting their blood flow through the veins of the earth. In this way, the saint can be considered the first Christian alchemist that we know of. Well, in fact, this whole floor here is an alchemical text. Look at the tiles in this aisle leading to the altar. Do they remind you of something? Did you ever play games as a kid in which you had markers on the ground that you had to follow, like hopscotch or twister? Well, we're about to play alchemical twister. 
This floor is a guide for how to approach the altar, the most sacred place and the heart of the church. This floor shows us where to place each foot, one after the other. It's a shame nobody knows this anymore. In fact, usually tour guides say, look at the beautiful decoration on the floor, the designs, the colors. But this floor is also a wealth of knowledge. Notice the circles in front of you, they're connected. And they can be seen as forming the infinity symbol, that sideways eight. This floor is actually a set of hidden instructions for those who want to walk the sacred path. And you're now going to walk this sacred path yourself. If you're unsure of where you should be stepping, just check the images on your phone and they will indicate your path. Take one step forward. You should now be on the outer ring of the first circle. All right, stop here for a second. Notice the purple and white tile ring wraps around this circle to the left and then wraps around the next circle to the right. All right, so start walking now along this line very, very slowly. The inner purple circle should be on your right. Stop here for a moment. You should be at the next circle, a grey marble circle. Walk around it, keeping it to your left. Great. Slowly, slowly. Now keep going, following the music. Next circle, you keep to your right. and then the following one to your left. Slowly, slowly, you're walking the lines of infinity. And you have all the time in the world. And if you really want to get into this walk, follow my breathing. Keep going like this with the music, wrapping around the circles and tracing the outline of infinity. You'll be sort of zigzagging up towards the altar very, very slowly. You should now be stopped on a purple square that is almost at the end of the aisle in front of the altar. Congratulations, 
You have just experienced a small piece of the ancient knowledge that I want to share with you today. Well, let's continue our journey with a, a very important door. Standing in the purple square, turn to look at the door where you came into the church. And two doors to the right of that door is a smaller door with sparkling tiles above it and two grey columns on its sides. Can you see it? Well, that leads to the Sacello of San Zenone a little side chapel built in the 9th century. Walk towards it. If it's not illuminated, you can turn on the lights by putting one euro in the machine to the left of the door. Above this door, there are two arches with circular mosaics showing the faces of the Holy Ones. The highest circle holds the face of Jesus, with the Apostles cascading down in circles on the right, and left of him. Get closer, very, very slowly. But don't walk through the door. Stop about two meters away, far enough to be able to have a good view of the door. The door is the central element to every apprentice's path. It's the symbol of the initium. He who walks in needs to be initiated needs to be accepted. If you follow my words closely, the door will accept you. Now, take one step towards the door. Now look to the right and left of the door. You see those two grey marble columns? You see columns like this on the sides of many church doors. They represent the guardians of the entrance those who judge if you're worthy to come in. If you're not worthy, the door will close on you and the guardians will break you into pieces. Well, get closer, slowly. Don't enter now. Just stay a couple of paces back from the door. Before you go in, I want you to reflect a little bit more on the door. I want you to start suspecting that doors are strange things. They they have hinges, something that rotates, something that can be opened, or maybe not. Not even if you fire upon them with cannonballs. Could be sealed, or maybe wide open. And it welcomes you when you say the right words. Open sesame, as in the Arabian Nights. But in this case, the words are not spoken. They are thoughts, humble thoughts of yourself, before a lovely, and ancient power. Huh. Now you can go inside. Did you notice that you just walked inside a small cosmic cave? Do you see the stars above you? Are you noticing some of the characters in the mosaics looking at you? That's because you were the one who came here to transform yourself. You see straight in front of you a small altar with lovely mosaics in a glass case behind it. And facing this altar, turn to the right, and we see a glass enclosure holding a fragment of a column. Some believe that Christ was tied to this column when he was whipped. 
Maybe these symbols are the keys to your initiation. No. The words we are looking for, the holiest space here, is actually inside of you. It's your voice. It's a song inside of you. The sacred song is called the Pater Noster. Our Heavenly Father. And it's a masterpiece of knowledge. It's an apprentice's chant. The combination of text and music feels almost like you're knocking on a door. Put yourself at the center of this dome. Stand straight up. And here the acoustics are amazing. The singing may animate the characters of the mosaics. If the voice is right and the heart is open, you can change the world. Sing along with me. Yes, you can do it. You can sing in a low voice along with me. It's using your voice to call up your own transformation, or even a silent voice that follows these sounds as they fit into this space. Try to open the narrow door even further. Bravo! Now it's time to leave this church and head outside to the streets of Rome, another sacred place for me. Pause the tour now and unpause when you are outside. Great! You made it outside and through your first door of our journey. One step towards that hidden ancient knowledge. Now, with your back to the entrance of the church, turn right. Walk down the narrow street, keeping the church to your right. That's it. We're heading into alchemical Rome. This neighborhood's called Esquilino. It just happens to have a nice density of alchemical symbols. Although you can find these symbols in churches and mansions throughout Rome. This is because ancient Rome was the center of the known world, Caput Mundi. And every form of alchemy that developed in areas like the Middle East and Northern Europe arrived here. You're going to see alchemical symbols come up again and again in different churches, in public spaces, and in all kinds of texts. For our walk, what's important is the knowledge passed on to me by my grandfather. He was an archaeologist and an alchemist. He took me around to discover Rome when I was a little kid, and he showed me its secrets. Now, we're approaching an intersection where I want you to cross the street. Are you on the corner? Okay, cross this small street and turn left. Walk uphill to the corner. You're headed towards a busy street. So, 
We just went through the narrow door. Next, we'll find the door not to be opened. OK, so now you're at the big, busy avenue. Turn right here and look at the signs above the sidewalk. You should see a sparkling sign with hundreds of bulbs that says Compro Oro. We buy gold. Can you see it? Reach it and stop in front of the door to the jewellery store. You should also see a display case with all types of jewellery. It's located at number 263. And you'll notice that even its address is written in gold. All right, you should now be in front of the Compro Oro door. And don't get too close to the door because they might buzz you in. And that's the last thing we want to do to go through this door. Just stand a few feet away and look into the display case. Notice all of the jewels and precious metals on display. And many people think that what you're looking at is the goal of alchemy. Gold. But this is not true. And this form of gold is not what we're seeking. Look at the door in front of you. It's an armoured door. It only opens when you ring a doorbell. And that's the opposite of Santa Placedi's door. Here the gold is not designed to open your heart, but to open your wallet. In order to make a noble heart, the alchemist tries to create the gold of wisdom. And that gold makes him a free man. This gold can enslave you. This is the door not to be opened. Keeping it shut will open many other richer doors. All right, turn your back to this door. We shall now try and open one of the most important doors in alchemical history, the magic door. To get there, cross on the sidewalk in front of you. Take the crosswalk and I'll meet you over there in front of the church. Great, you made it across the street. Facing the church, turn left and in a couple of paces, turn right to walk down a small street, keeping the church on your right. As I mentioned, alchemy is older than the church. Alchemy was born with man, because man is a seeker of mysteries. Millennia ago, cave dwellers in the north of Italy dug small holes in the rocks. The holes were known as copelle and were used to dissolve metals and powders, a sort of primitive blacksmith shop. These cavemen blacksmiths were the first alchemists. They were fascinated by the transformation of heated solids into liquids and then back into solids. I consider myself like one of these men. Since I was a kid, I've been interested in alchemical transmutations, the ability to change even ourselves from one state to another state. Up ahead on this street is a large arch. It's made of white marble. Walk through it. It was my grandfather who taught me the importance of transmutation, of change of state. And that's, that's why when I was 12, I picked hundreds of flowers from my mother's jasmine tree. I wanted to obtain the purest form of jasmine, the quintessence of the plant, as alchemists would put it and I put hundreds of flowers in a pot and boiled them down, distilling them into the most concentrated amount that I could. And at the end of the process, from all of those flowers, I obtained just one drop. 
pure jasminity, I called it. But I didn't know what to do with that one drop. It was in that moment that I understood that alchemy isn't just chemistry. It requires faith and a vision. Without spirituality, alchemy is just a very banal chemical procedure. Stop at the water fountain on your left. It's white and covered with stars. My grandfather, being an archaeologist, taught me that most churches were built on hidden bodies of water, streams, ponds and springs, where the faithful would gather. Just like the human body has veins, alchemists believe the earth is alive and its veins course with water. Thus, temples should be built on these veins, especially where two rivers intersect, forming that ancient and important symbol of the cross. Well, my grandfather wrote an article in which he enumerated more than 60 springs in Rome. He knew the symbolic value of water and would explain it to me when we walked by a fountain just like this one. The music composed by man is just an imitation of nature and singing is an imitation of water running. Come, let's move on. Keep walking straight ahead. Keep the short pillars to your right. The article about Rome's water springs is just one among the many texts my grandfather wrote and I preserved. Some of them I actually got published. Now, bear slightly right using the crosswalk. Then keep walking down the sidewalk. Up ahead you should see a sign with a white M on a red background. Walk towards that sign and just behind it you'll reach an intersection. The magic door is just on the other side of that intersection. For centuries, alchemy was a fragmented practice. Then in 1200, the Emperor Frederick II gathered in his court the most revered alchemists of his age, Muslims, Jews, Christians, to form a unified practice of alchemy right here in Rome. Once we reach the end of the sidewalk, we're going to cross the street straight in front of us. Let's cross together on the crosswalk and then walk through the Iron Gate. Great, now you're in front of the park. Walk through the Iron Gate to the middle of this open square in the park and stop there. Take a good look around. You will notice on your left a large brick structure. Well, this was the final outpouring of a Roman aqueduct. It was called Ninfeo of Alessandro and it dates back to the beginning of the 3rd century AD. The music of the water here must have been something special. Well, as I was saying, Rome was a center for alchemical activity. And by 1600, many Roman nobles were fascinated with this spiritual craft. In fact, very close to this park was the villa of the Marquis of Palambara, where the most revered alchemists gathered including the Queen Christina of Sweden, who was a very serious alchemist. 
Our next stop will be linked to this golden age of alchemy and to the story connecting Queen Christina and the Marquis Palombara. Keep walking straight ahead with the metal fence on your left. Inside the Marquis's villa was a wonderful alchemical laboratory full of crucibles, test tubes, burners, all the necessary tools to transform metals. One night a pilgrim arrived at the Marquis's villa. He picked some grass in the garden and spent the night working on it in the alchemy lab. The next morning, Queen Christina found that the pilgrim had disappeared. Okay, take a left here at the corner, keeping the fence on your left. On the table in the lab were the blades of grass, but they had been turned to gold. On the left, over there, beyond the railing, you'll see a wall and two pudgy white figures. These are Bess, two Egyptian gods, the guardians of the door. And that door between them is the magic door. Now stop and look through the fence at the magic door. The door that used to lead to the alchemical laboratory where the pilgrim turned the grass to gold. It's simple, inconspicuous. Maybe some cats are lazing in the grass next to it. The guards look almost comical. But this place, this door, holds an incredible secret that alchemists all over the world have spent centuries trying to solve. You see, the pilgrim didn't just leave behind golden blades of grass. He also left parchments full of symbols and mysterious formulas. Palambara understood these formulas, held the secret of the transmutation. And so, he had them carved around this door as an invitation to initiates such as yourself. An invitation to the transmutation. They're a bit far away. In order to see them in detail, you can check the image on your phone. Now look carefully at the symbols. So, what do they mean? Nothing? No, of course they don't mean anything to you. You don't just become an alchemist in an hour. And this is possibly the most important code you just cracked. There's no crash course in alchemy. And the magic door is possibly the least understood artifact in alchemy. Hundreds of books have been written trying to decode it. But there is one inscription on the door that I think you've come to understand in, in some sense. Look close at the inscriptions. Use your phone to help you. And you'll see a mix of zodiac symbols and chemical compounds. You'll also see the Latin words. Sicedes non is. Look at the words on the screen. They're a palindrome. They can be read forwards or backwards. And they mean, if you stay put, you don't exist. 
but read backwards, seen on Sedes is, which means, if you don't stay put, you exist. To become your true self, you must arise and take action. Keep in mind, this was written on a door that was placed in the lovely gardens of a Baroque mansion where the world's most elite alchemists, the Queen of Sweden, the Marquis, even cardinals of the Catholic Church would gather to intensely study and debate the principles of alchemy. So, it's talking to that small circle of people interested in alchemy, saying, take action. And it's also an invitation to get up and discover what this formula means. Cicedes non is. Cicedes non is. Si non sedes is. Si sedes non is. Si non sedes is. How do you recognize a sacred language from a profane one? From the sound. Listen to the sound. It says you are knocking on the door. Alchemy is found in rhythm, in patterns, in harmony. The door may not be literally opening, but the vibrations from the words should be opening your heart, your mind. You are now touching the vast expanse of alchemy. And maybe even the green grass lying before the magic door does have a tinge of gold to it. You see that sparkle? Okay, let's keep going. Walk back on the same path that we came from. Walk along the fence. It should be on your right now. Once the railing ends, you'll see a bush in front of you. Behind it is a light-colored statue of two woven bodies. Do you see the statue? When you reach it, bend slightly left and follow the dirt path. Are you with me? That statue should be on your right now. Keep going on this dirt path. So, as I was saying, for decades, the Lanzi family, my ancestors, were aromatari, which means pharmacists. And they used to work for the very Marquis Palombara, whose magic door we just left behind. My ancestors used to prepare potions for him. Now the statue is behind you and you should start seeing a big metal gate in front of you. And we are going to be exiting the park through that gate. In my house, I still have the diploma the Pope gave my ancestor in 1600, allowing him to prepare potions, meaning medicines, for the Holy Father. Yes, alchemy is pretty much the family business. Did you get to the gate yet? Walk out, you'll see a small water fountain on your left. You see the fountain? Good. So you're in the right spot. Walk up the sidewalk, keeping the water fountain and park gate on your left. We're going to walk a few hundred feet and then turn right. 
So you can see that my family had access to this very exclusive circle of people practicing alchemy. Over the centuries, my family passed from one generation to the other alchemical and esoteric knowledge. And also, an ocean of books. My father eventually inherited these books. He was a communist and an atheist. He felt he didn't have anything to do with these old family stories. In a moment of economic uncertainty, when my grandfather died, my father sold his 1,000 books on alchemy, all of them, at once. He... he broke the chain. All right, take the crosswalk on your right. Make sure you watch for traffic here. I'll meet you on the other side of the street. Okay, here we are on the other side of the street. Keep walking straight ahead on the sidewalk. We're going to walk on this sidewalk for a while. We left behind Villa Palombara, the very heart of European alchemy in 1600. Now, during the same period, what we consider modern science was born. During that time, the Italian scientist Galileo Galilei formulates the scientific method. And this is the beginning of the idea of science as separate from spirituality. From that moment on, science stops focusing on the essence of things. Alchemists who turned towards science are instead interested in the relationship between different elements in our universe. I'm a scientist, an engineer, but I'm also a spiritual man. And I believe that releasing science from the spiritual world is catastrophic because this reduces science to just one dimension. But this is how human history has gone. So, after reaching its peak in 1600, alchemy started to decline. Up ahead is an intersection. Cross the street and keep walking straight. Keep walking straight ahead. Currently, I'm working to keep alchemy intact through a research group I started 30 years ago. It's called Symmetria. It means symmetry in English. This group has a very active publishing house focused on books about sacred geometry. Sacred geometry seeks to create the proper balance between man, nature and God. Our books explore sacred architecture, like the small chapel where we sang Pater Noster. We also help interpret the arrangement of circles, squares, hexagons and triangles, like those on the infinity walk in the church. Its emphasis on both mathematics and ideals helps reunite science with spirit. Okay, now let's cross the street and keep walking straight ahead. Maybe founding this publishing house was also a way for me to recover the loss of my family's thousand books. In any case, whenever I want to feel the old, delicious smell of my family's books, I go to Libreria Rotondi. We're heading there now. You'll see it's a wonderful bookstore. And not just because it's full of alchemical and esoteric texts. For me, there's also a much more personal reason. Because when my father sold my grandfather's books, he sold some of them to the founder of this bookstore. So my grandfather's collection formed the initial collection of this bookstore. Keep walking straight ahead. The bookstore is a block away.
Yes, we're tying many threads together. The history of alchemy, the story of this city, my family saga. It's incredible how tightly they are linked together, right? Well, actually, when you follow the path of alchemy, these connections form naturally. Truth unites those who seek it. At the intersection up ahead, you're going to make a right. I'll meet you on the other side of the street. Are you across the street? Come a little further ahead and you'll see the bookstore on your right. It's small with two windows, one on either side. It's a pretty funky looking place. Once you are there, stop outside. Are you here? Great. This is the Libreria Rotondi. Stand here for a second and look in through the window. It was founded by Amadeus Volbden, pseudonym of Amadeo Rotondi, a writer and researcher of arcane things. He's the great uncle of the owners. Here's what I want you to do once you're inside. You're going to ask the attendant to give you the book Hermetica Geometria. It means Hermetic Geometry, and it's published by my editorial house, Symmetria. Look at your phone to see the title of the book. Now pause the tour and unpause when you're looking at Hermetica Geometria. Okay, great. You've got the book. Open the book. Go through the pages. So, the author of this book, Graziotti, was an important mathematician and designer. He focused on sacred geometry, which is the meaning of the shapes and forms we see in the designs and decorations of churches and sacred sites. And he was also a good friend of mine and my teacher. Have you started noticing that this is a book about doors? Yeah, doors are in here as well. What kind of apprentice's journey would this be otherwise? Look for table number 142. This page may look like just an intricate design, but it's actually a door. So, you're looking at table number 142. And you may be wondering why this is a door. Don't you think it is? If you stare at it for a while, you enter it even if you don't want to. It's drawn freehand, and it can make you feel a bit drunk. After looking at these drawings for a while, they start moving. And these must be alchemical doors. Because you first experience confusion, and then clarity. From the alchemical point of view, it's important to look for books that speak about geometry that sacred geometry. The alchemical world is a world of proportions. We live in a disproportionate world. So the larger work of alchemy is re-establishing proportion between man and all things. Good. Give the book back to the librarian. 
And now we can go out. Press pause and then play when you're outside of the bookstore. OK, with your back to the bookstore, turn left going back to where you came from. We're now heading towards our final door, the one that will allow us to apply one of the most important alchemical teachings. Visita interiora terre, which means visit the inner part of the earth. You're going to go straight across the crosswalk up ahead. Come on, cross carefully. Are you on the other side? If so, you'll have a crosswalk on your right that I'd like you to take. This is a very busy road, so watch out for the cars. Okay, great, you made it. Keep walking straight. You're heading into a quieter residential area. On your left, you may notice a hardware store. It's called a ferramenta. Stop for a second. Oh, look above the display window. Right, it's a key. Right there, attached to the metal grating above the shop window. We are finding the keys to doors that exist in your mind. And I guarantee that these keys, once you know how to use them, will last much longer than tools you find in this hardware store. Alright, keep heading down this street. As I mentioned, most of my career was as an engineer. I worked on automation technology for airports, subways and power plants. Keep walking straight along this street. But while I was doing all that, I was always the same person who wanted to discover the essence of Jasmine. I was trying to understand the meaning of my life. I believed in communism for a while. When I was in college, I had Mao's red book in my pocket. And then I went to India and Tibet. So when I told my Tibetan master that I was coming to him because I, I can't find myself in Europe, he replied, you don't find yourself because you didn't look the right way. Europe is full of sacred cathedrals, shrines and holy places. Look harder, he said. I left India and came back to Rome. Now this was 40 years ago. And as soon as I got here, I realised my, well, my foolishness. As you've already seen, Rome is rich with deep, deep symbols and places that are now my teachers. Even in this neighbourhood built in the late 1800s and early 1900s, we can find some alchemical teachings. Come, here we turn right and cross to the other side. Keep walking down the street now. The big building on your right is a school, so you may hear the shouts of children. As you can see, this neighbourhood is also full of stately homes. These homes were meant to be a, a refuge from a Rome that's becoming an increasingly modern city full of trolleys, people and, and chaos. And as we mentioned, alchemy is about finding the right proportions in the world around us, so you can imagine how these homes were built to counterbalance the chaos. They are a way of putting the chaos of this neighbourhood, which also hosts the Termini train station, back in proportion.
And this building that you're now passing on your right is from the same era, built in 1913. And it was definitely designed by a Freemason, a group that is also very concerned with proportion, balance and alchemy. In fact, when you get to the corner, stop, turn around and look up at the corner of the building you just passed. Stop here for a second. So, the corner of the building actually has an inscription with a collection of the ultimate Freemason symbols. Look up to about the fourth floor of the building. Do you see them on the flat corner of the building here? This is the architect's signature. The square, mining tools and the plum weight. All of these decorative symbols are secret messages to those of us interested in transformations. Look at your phone to see the specific images from this design. For instance, the square is a tool that forms a right angle. It's an invitation to rectitude. The plumb bob reminds us of alignment. It's telling us to become straight. This is pure alchemy. It's saying that working on yourself, you can become aligned. You can become righted. You can find your inner gold. And this is the path that I followed, especially when I came back to Rome 40 years ago. Well, I'll explain more. Keep walking straight ahead, crossing the street here with the Freemason signature to your back. You see on your left there's this, this lovely Art Nouveau peach-coloured mansion. See the statues on the facade, guarding a door. See the two columns next to the alcove, guarding a door. Huh? So when I came back to Rome, I started studying what my grandfather left me in terms of knowledge of this city. And I realized that my gods were all around me in the places I loved as a kid. At the time, those spaces were just fun. But now I realize they were my altars. And many of these altars are underground, just like Praxedes Pit. And that's because the essence of life is found deep inside the earth. And one of the most powerful of these places is straight ahead of us in the park. You should be seeing the trees of the park now at the end of this street. At the next corner, cross the street and keep walking straight into the park. Inside the park, you're going to discover the remains of a mansion, a mansion that stretched from here to the Colosseum. It was the home of Emperor Nero, built from 64 to 68 AD, and it's called Domus Aurea. On your left is a lovely pink and white accented apartment building, and on one of its street-level posts, you see the name of the street you are walking on, Via della Domus Aurea. It means Road of the Golden House in Latin. Domus Aurea, the Golden House. Walk through the gate up ahead and into the park. Most of the Domus Aurea is now underground. This is because over 2,000 years, the ground of the park was built up around the ruins of the Domus Aurea. Now, when I was a kid, my grandfather showed me small, secret caves that allowed my friends and me to go into the underground heart of the Domus Aurea. 
we were able to get into in intact rooms and hallways still full of frescoes. Okay, you should be inside the park. Stop in the middle of the open space here where the paths intersect. And in front of you in the distance, you should see the Colosseum. On your right is a fountain. Do you see the water gushing? Good. So, you are now stopped where several paths intersect. Turn and face the collection of ruins to the left of the fountain. The ruins are made of bricks and partly covered with vegetation. Can you see them? Oh, this is the visible part of a building that continues down below the earth, hundreds of meters beneath your feet. Once we arrived in these giant vaulted rooms, we'd start exploring that dark underworld. We would go in through forbidden entrances. It was like, like forcing a symbolic door, and in a way, it was a, a sacrilege. But we did it in such an innocent way, and with such a light heart. So instead of closing in on us, the Domosauria would reward us with wonderful paintings on its high ceilings and hallways. During this, we would apply one of the most important alchemical principles. Visita interiora terre rectificando invenies occultum lapidem. Which means, visit the inside of the earth and through purifications, you'll find the hidden gem. Simply put, Look inside yourself for the mysterious gem you carry within. Today, I want you to be able to visit the, the inner parts of the Earth. Not here, because nowadays it's impossible to go down through these caves, but not far from here is the Mitreum of the San Clemente Basilica. Over there, you'll be able to descend down inside the Earth, and maybe also inside yourself. It will be our last stop, the most important one. Now, put your back to the fountain and walk straight ahead. You're walking downhill along the path. At the end of the path, you should see some steps leading to a park exit. Now, walk down the stairs. We are approaching the park's exit. Keep walking down the stairs. Once you're out of the park, take a right. And then immediately on your left, you'll see a traffic light and a crosswalk. You're going to turn left and take that crosswalk across the street. I'll meet you on the other side of this large street. When it's green, cross the street. Keep going straight ahead, following the iron gate on your right. I love this city so much. I feel the genius Lochi, the divinity of place, linked to the earth and trees. It's here calling everyone and saying, please, I'm here, respect and honor me. In order to hear it, you have to set your inner clock to the ticking, the rhythm of this place. Don't get too excited. That's the sign of a low rate. New Age mystic. They get too emotional and stop listening. The listening must be silent. 
facing your interior. Okay. Now we turn left and cross the street. Stay with me. Great, keep walking straight ahead. In about 100 steps on your left is the entrance to the Basilica of San Clemente. Just like the church where we started, this church was built in successive eras, one church on top of the other. But this church contains a much more ancient shrine in its core. So, coming up on your left, you should see a wooden door going into the church. Stop when you get there. Before walking inside, you need to know that this is a place with 2,000 years of history. Its columns were built during the time of ancient Rome and taken out of the pagan temples nearby. Not to destroy those pagan temples, but to preserve their sacred stones. Okay, you should be stopped next to the wooden doors of the church. If the church is closed, stand here and listen as I tell you about this place. And then you can always come back another time when it's open and experience it. Now, walk inside. Can you smell? these 2,000 years of history. The columns, the mosaics, the floor. You're actually standing in the most recent portion of the church, a basilica built at the height of the medieval period, about 1,100 AD. Looking down, you see floor tiles inviting us to do another alchemical twister game. Facing the altar, you also see an amazing, glimmering rendition of heaven. But what interests us here is what lay below this church. Two other churches. One, an early Christian church from the 4th century AD, and below that, a sanctuary of the cult of Mitras that dates back to the 2nd century AD. It's this sanctuary that will form our final door. To get there, you should face the altar and then turn to your right. You'll see a hallway leading back out of this main basilica. Follow that hallway. To visit the sanctuary, you are required to buy a ticket. It's a great experience. But if you don't want to buy the ticket, you can stay up here and use your mind's eye to visit the sanctuary. You can look at the photographs on your screen. Good. Now you should see the ticket counter. Pause the tour now. And when you'll have the ticket, put your headphones back on and press play. And I'll walk you to your final door, deep inside the earth. Great, you have your ticket. We're going to descend into the Mithraeum. GPS will not work down there, but I will guide you. If you get confused, you can always use the buttons on your phone 
that allow you to skip forward or backwards by 15 seconds in the narration. Facing the ticket booth, turn to your right and open the door and walk down the flight of stairs. At the end of this first flight of stairs, turn right. We've reached the church built during the 4th century AD. Go to the back of this wide hall. On your left are some frescoes with faint images of Christ giving a blessing and several angels and saints around them. At the time this church was built, Christianity had just become legal through Emperor Constantine's Edict of Milan. Right in front of you at the end of this wide hallway is the sign leading to the Mitraeum. That's our destination. The pagan sacred temple that predates the Christian church. Follow the sign to the right through a small door. Yes, right there. Good. You're descending into a much older religious practice, going further back in time. In front of you is a circular banister Go past it, keeping it on your left, and you will see a white stone altar in the centre of the hallway. This is a copy of the ancient altar you are about to visit. Walk past this altar. It almost looks like a tombstone. Do you see a small door with a sign next to it that says, To the Mithraeum? Head through that door. Now on your right is a staircase. Take those stairs down. You're going to visit the Rome before Rome, where we can see the very roots of Rome exposed. Great, now you are in the room of the real altar. Follow the path until it turns right. You'll see a grating on your left. Do you see it? Look at your phone if you need help with the directions. Through that grating is the original altar and the Mitraeum, the pagan temple where 1,900 years ago Romans would pray. Now try to imagine what this Mitra would have looked like originally. Where you are standing, there would have been two guards holding torches, guarding the entrance to the temple. Now, look closely at the altar. You see a depiction of the ancient god Mitra on top of a sacrificial bull, slitting its throat. Do you see it? Look at your phone if you need help finding it. But who is Mitra actually? He's a god who became popular in Rome in the first century BC, brought to the West by a Persian cult. Okay, a few details in the bull sacrifice image are important. You see that snake and dog trying to drink the bull's blood? 
Maybe you can even make out the scorpion attacking the bull's testicles. Look at your phone if you need help finding it. If you look at this from an alchemical point of view, the presence of blood in this scene is crucial because it represents the element that allows transmutation. People back then knew that blood was vital and fed our body's cells. Blood is what makes us grow. So it comes to represent all kinds of transformation, physical and spiritual, for both the alchemists and early religions. Just as we saw the importance of blood in St. Perixedes Church in the beginning of this walk, here again we see that an even more ancient religion used the symbol of blood to imply an important transformation. Now, I want to take you on our final stop in the tour, the very lifeblood of this church, the river that runs under it. Follow my words closely. But if you ever feel uncertain about which way to go, you can look at the photographs on your screen. Walk past the Mithraeum, keeping it on your left. Then immediately turn right. And now, walk up the two steps you'll find on your left. Are you in the small room with another couple of steps in front of you? Good. Keep straight and walk down the stairs. At the end of the stairs, make a left. And in the far right corner of this room is the river flowing. We've arrived at one of my grandfather's springs. The waters flow. Its music is the same music that ran behind the prayers of the faithful in this Mitraeum. And then the early Christians. And then for centuries, those in the Grand Basilica where we walked into this place. This music is a prayer, an invitation to meditate. So, thinking back on our time together, what do you think I was trying to do with you? I was trying to get you lost, like in the Mitraean tradition. The feeling of being lost is what I hope you found behind this final door deep in the earth. Because you need to get lost in order to find yourself. You need to get lost in order to truly apprentice yourself. We're all used to completing a search and saying, I got it. And now it would be awesome if you were thinking, I got lost. Wonderful. I hope that you captured something of this city, in particular the idea that the sacred, enduring parts of Rome are often hidden, as it is in life. The essential is not on the surface. The truth is underneath. Spend as much time down here as you like. To get back to the church, you can keep walking down the hallway after this room. Just turn so the river is on your left and walk straight ahead. 
After several rooms, you'll see a stairway going up on your right. Take that stairway up and you'll be back near the entrance. And even though this tour is done, the path that it sets you on is just the beginning. Enjoy your ongoing initiation into the world of alchemy. And may your days be full of symmetry.